0: You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit CrosspointChurchTX.org. Hey, this year earlier, there was a social media giant formerly known as Twitter was bought out, as you know, and it is now called X which is one of the changes. It's actually been several changes that have been made to the social media giant, and you're like, why in the world is Pastor Chris talking about Twitter, now known as X? Because one of the things that was actually important and is important about this social media thing is they had some verified accounts that had blue checks, and those many of those verified accounts with blue checks were news services that people around the world needed. Especially when it came time for national disasters or international disasters, they had a source that was verified and proofworthy of verifiable steps for them that they could take in the midst of the disaster. And so now, in some of those changes, they have they don't have a verified source that's trustworthy for them in the midst of disasters, and so they're left many to their own. Um, To their own devices. And so we've actually seen that over the last little bit in some of the news. That's one of those things that we're hearing in the deals is that the changes in a social media uh, giant has actually impacted some national disasters. And so the same that's true about Twitter, that it needs some verified, trustworthy sources, the same is true of the word of God. That it establishes the word of God establishes the standard for truth. And without it, we have no way of knowing the ultimate truth. And today, we're going to examine the Word of God and understand this truth, that Satan is our enemy, and he is already defeated. However, he is fighting like a wounded animal, and he, is going to, he wants to hurt, kill, and destroy any of us on his way out. And he will use any method available to him to deceive us, to harm us, and to hurt us, and to literally destroy us. And so this morning, again, what I want you to understand is that as we study a little bit about our enemy, Satan, I want you to see through the word of God what truth is, so that when the counterfeit presents itself, you know the counterfeit because you know truth so well. And so today, the hero of the story is still Jesus and always will be Jesus. But as he's the hero, we need to study for a moment. We need to study the anti-hero, which is Satan, so that you can know the truth when the counterfeit shows. Because Scripture tells us there are moments where the counterfeit disguises himself as light, and we then have to know for sure what the truth is so we can quickly tell that even though it may look like it may be true, it is actually not because it's in disguise. So in Ephesians chapter 6, where we have been studying and we'll study over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 specifically. And it says this, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now that word strategies are all the strategies that we get our word scheme from. It's schema, and it means deceptive strategies. So all of Satan's strategy schemes are deceptive. That's the foundation. Satan's overarching strategy against us is to deceive us, to make us think something that is true that's actually counterfeit. And so this morning we're going to dig into that a little bit. And so the first part I want you to get is who is Satan? One of the things about the Bible is the names of people describe their character, describe their purpose, and describe their future. And so Satan has several different names throughout Scripture. And so I'm going to give you the names this morning, and I want you to write as many of them down as you can, because I've got to talk fast, because we have about five hours of information to give over, okay, in, in 30 minutes. And so I want you to write all these names down, and then I want you to spend this week looking up those names in your, in your Bible. Use your concordance and look some of these names up. So the first name that I want you to know is Beelzebub, which is the Lord of the Flies. And if y'all got to read that awesome book, the Lord of the Flies describes death. So he is the Lord of death. He makes you think that it's life when it's actually death. He deceives us to think that it's light when it's actually death. He's also described as one of the probably the ones we know the most is the devil And you've even seen this. They portray him as the devil, and he's got a little pitchfork, and he's all in red, and he's got a little tail and all that kind of stuff. He wants us to think of him that way. But he's much more destructive than that little cute character. He's also, we see that he's also the serpent. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, that he takes on the character and personality of the serpent and destroys the family, destroys the family of Adam and Eve. He's also known as the great dragon. And we see this portrayed in a lot of medieval um, literature and art. So if you got to read the Knights of the Round Table and all those different kind of things, what are they doing? They're fighting against a dragon. And so that's spiritual warfare. They're, they're talking about spiritual warfare in, those, in that wonderful stuff you didn't want to read in high school. Because it's a description of the great dragon, the deceiver. He's also known as the prince of the power of the air. In other words, that for a time in history, he has been given authority in special moments and in times and seasons. He's been given authority here to wreak havoc. And we'll find out a little bit about how he does that. He's also known as the God of this age, the little G of this age. In other words, any time that we are disobedient... And we sin, we have given over to the God of this age. He's the little G. We've been deceived for a moment that what he offers is actually brings worth and value and adds to our identity. So we give authority and permission to the God of this age instead of the God of all eternity. That's why he's known as that. He's also known as the evil one. He's known as the prince of demons. He's known as the accuser. I think this is the one that we probably see and think of the most when we think of Satan, because we've probably experienced where if you're a child of God, he whispers to you accusations. A lot of times it's accusations of a past. It's accusations of you before Christ. And so you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Look, do you remember when you were involved in this or do you remember when you did that or do you remember whatever and so there's these accusations that you are identified as something else than a child of God and so he accuses you of things that you are no longer guilty of if you are in Christ because you have been judged righteous not of your own works of your own standings but by standing in allowing Christ to stand in for you so Christ has been judged for you so you can't be accused of anything anymore Because you stand righteous before God, but we still receive those accusations and live out of those accusations. He's also known as a tempter, but there's moments where he tempts us with those things that only you and I can be tempted with. Each one of us are unique, and he knows our weaknesses, and he knows when to tempt us, and so he does it perfectly. He's had lots of practice in tempting. He's also known as being disguised as light. That he is so good at counterfeiting that it actually looks like light. It actually looks like it could be something for God's glory, but it's actually counterfeit. That's how much we need to be aware of what the truth is. So when the counterfeit that actually looks like light is disguised in that way, we can see quickly that it's not. Then also he's obviously known as a deceiver. That's his schemes as a deceiver. Satan has already been defeated, but he's going to fight like a wounded animal to kill, steal, and destroy anyone in his way out. And he will do anything in his power to deceive us to think that something is true when it's actually counterfeit. And so this morning, my hope is, as we get to know his character, we get to know his agenda, and we get to know his strategies, we can know the truth... So we can point out the counterfeit. So we know who he is. We know his character. So his agenda. His agenda is actually he's working on the same things that God is doing. So God has a kingdom agenda and his kingdom agenda is with you. His kingdom agenda is with your family. His kingdom agenda happens through the church. And his kingdom agenda actually transforms society. And so Satan is working through those same things because he thinks if he can trip those areas up and create obstacles and destroy them, then he disturbs God's kingdom and God's agenda. Make sense? And so the first place that Satan begins his work, his first part of his agenda is you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, stay alert. Watch out. For your great enemy, the devil, is looking around, prowling around like a roaring lion, ready to do what? To devour someone. Put your little name tag on and it says someone. You are it. He is prowling around looking for you. And here's the deal, is that we as Americans many times think that faith is an individual faith when all throughout Scripture, it's you. Most of the time, you is plural. Faith is not an alone thing. It's a team thing. And this is why we get confused, especially as Americans, is that we have a tendency. We get a little distraught or angry or frustrated with the church or whatever. And they put up the wrong carpet. They took down the chandeliers. They don't sing hymns or whatever it is that kind of distracts you from a moment from the mission of pursuing Jesus. And then you get alone and isolated. Guess what a lion does? A lion is prowling around looking for us when we are alone and isolated and injured. Yes. Oh, pity me. And you're in your own stuff. And the next thing you know, the lion finishes you off. Faith is a team sport. It's a community sport. Unfortunately, too many times in church, we injure our own. And then we also leave our own our own out to the pastor to say you know what they're getting what they deserve faith is a team sport many Christians have been put on the sidelines by injuries of where we've said yes to drugs or alcohol or bad relationships or inappropriate intimacy and depression has overwhelmed us and arrogance has overwhelmed us and hopelessness and codependency and If you're on the sidelines and you're injured, you're not in the game. And the deceiver and the accuser, when you're on the sidelines, tells you you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be strong enough. There's never enough medicine. They're never going to get healed. You're never going to be all that God wants you to be. And the devil is prowling around looking to pounce at you. The other part of his agenda that's a part of God's agenda is the family. The family. God established the family as a central place to raise up our children and our grandchildren in the faith. And we see it in Genesis 3, and it carries over to Deuteronomy 6, and all throughout Scripture is that the family is the central point of where we pass on our faith. We talk about who God is. We live out who God is, and that our Sundays make, make sense because our Mondays are lived out. And so if we see it. We know it. We understand it. We've seen it. For a while now, but Satan has heavily attacked the family, not just in American culture, but everywhere. It's historically, he did it with Adam and Eve, and then he went further with Cain and Abel. And every time he destroys a family, it has the potential to destroy generations of faith. He wants to impact your family in such a way that you lose authority, and you lose power, and you lose the courage To mold, shape, direct, and guide your children and grandchildren in the faith. He wants to tell you because you are divorced. He wants to tell you because of whatever. Whatever it is that he does in your family to disrupt you from having authority and power and encouragement to raise your children up. To be able to tell your children, listen, there's this Bible story and I don't fully get it, but we're going to try to live it out. There are things that we don't fully get because I'm not God. I'm just someone who's pursuing God and knowing God. I want these principles to guide our family because I know that if we move outside of these boundaries, it's going to harm our family, not bring life to them. And Satan's constantly working on breaking up the home. And he's done it for generations. And listen, one of the main excuses... That we hear, and I particularly hear as a pastor, is, well, I didn't grow up in a home where my parents modeled that for me. I mean, if we were to do a show of hands, most of us didn't have it modeled for us. Even if we grew up in church, many of us, we went to church on Sunday, and then Monday was a whole different deal. And so there was this disconnect. And so is it any wonder that this last generation, my generation and, and since, that people have been walking away or even running away from the church? Because what we said we believed and we're learning on Sunday wasn't matching up with our Mondays. And so there's a huge disconnect. That happened there. And so, listen, we, we know this truth and understand this truth and realize that most of us didn't grow up in homes where this was modeled or this was shaped. And so, we have resources for you. If you go to our website, and um, there's a page on there that says Home Point, and there's resources for every single one of you, no matter what season of life that you're in, that will help you have an impact in your faith in home. And so, there's literally thousands of resources on our webpage. And the number one thing that people click on our webpage is home point stuff, knowing how can I be a better parent? How can I be a better grandparent? How can I talk to my kids about the different things? How can I talk to my grandparent, grandkids about the different things? Because we don't live in the leave it to beaver world anymore. That's long gone. And we're not probably ever going to go back, good and bad. So we as Christians cannot check our brains at the door of faith and not deal with real-life things that Scripture answers. And so we have to know the truth so we can counter the counterfeit. That much of the discussions we're having in our culture, if we know the truth and we spoke the truth, we could quickly point out the counterfeits. The next part of his agenda is the church. He does this by exploiting and manipulating personality weaknesses and different things. And mostly it has to do with our preferences. That he tries to distract us from the mission of God, which is to point people to Jesus. And he gets us focused on our preferences. Whether that's like, hey, man, I wish we had this for the kids ministry or this for the student ministry. Man, we really need black carpet, not gray carpet. And we should have, you know, I mean, all these different preferences That we have that that our preferences are not scriptural, that distract us from the mission of God. And here at Cross Point, our mission is really simple point people to Jesus. In every single way and in every single area, I want to point people to Jesus because He is the solution to everything. And I know that sounds simple, but if you are pointed to Jesus, He'll change your finances. If you get pointed to Jesus, he'll actually change your physical health. If you get pointed to Jesus, he will change. I mean, you just start looking at all these things. It will transform your life. The problem is, is that we have a tendency to silo our faith in what we say, God, you can get into this parts of my life, but not all of it. And so he's partial master, but he's not Lord and master over every area. But he, whenever you allow him to do that, it transforms your life and we get off of focus on off our preferences and on the mission of God. Satan wants to create disunity in his church because he knows that if he can keep us from a church of fully moving forward with power and authority and encouragement, that we're off of our full function. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 4. It says this, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. That's hard, isn't it? Look at the person next to you and say, I'm really trying to be patient with you. Good. Now, really believe that. Mean it when you say it, okay? Because here's why. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. In other words, the person next to you sometimes, they may annoy you because they're human. And they may annoy you if it's your spouse. You know why they annoy you, right? But the person next to you may annoy you, and part of it is, is because we don't fully understand their story and the season of where they're at. And so maybe some of the things that they say, some of the things they do, some of the things they're thinking are because of where they're at in their story. And it's a miracle that we are gathered together as a church from different backgrounds and different nations and different tongues and different ethnicities and all this, that we gather together from all these different places around one thing, which is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so there's a lot of different reasons for why we shouldn't be together. But the one reason we are together is the most important mission in all of the world through all out human history. But Satan wants to just distract us. So make every effort then to find yourselves and to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. This is a beautiful image of being bound together. How many of y'all have had something that's been valuable to to you that's broken? And so you get one of those really special glues. You know what I'm talking about? That you bind together. And so I had that happen recently. I brought home some gifts from Zimbabwe. The gifts that have been given to me. And so I was, I was, I cherish them at the moment. I was excited to bring them home. And I I had packaged them well. I had cared for them. And American Airlines, sorry if any of you work for American Airlines, but they loved my gifts apparently more than I did because they, um, because some of them made them home and whole and some of them didn't. And so as I was looking at the gifts, you know, your heart breaks over them, but I was like, shoot, shoot, I got Gorilla Glue. Man, Gorilla Glue will stop anything, fix anything. Well, I did. I put it on. I had one specific gift that was an elephant made by hand. And uh it, one of the ears had come off. And I was trying to convince my family member that some of the elephants only had one ear in Africa. But it wasn't working, right? <clears throat> and so I was like, okay. So I, I began to to do the work on the, the elephant's ear. And can I tell you, I don't know if you've had this deal, every part of that glue stuck to me. None of it stuck to that deal. And so, like, for a week, I was actually up here last week, and I still had gorilla glue. So if I put these two fingers together, I was like... Like pulling them apart. And it was bound together. And that's the image that Paul draws for us. Is that we are so unified in the spirit that we are bound together. And it takes extra, extra effort to pull them apart. That we love each other that much. That we're so in tune with each other's stories and care for each other. That we are so humble and patient and gentle with each other that it takes a lot to pull us apart because we are desperate for each other. Because we know if we come apart and we're disunified, then the roaring lion is waiting and prowling to attack and to devour. One of the last ways that Satan does his work and that in opposition to God's kingdom is through society. There's this interesting passage, passage in Daniel chapter 10, and you need to read it on your own time. We don't have time today, but Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, and it's this interesting deal where Daniel is praying for God to do something, and he's been praying for a while, and he's wondering why God's not responding, and an angel shows up to Daniel after about 21 days and says to Daniel, hey, I haven't been able to show up because of the spiritual warfare on the boundaries of this nation. And so I was fighting and I was fighting and I was fighting. So I had to call in reinforcements so that the battle could go on and I could sneak around behind enemy lines so I could meet with you and talk with you and show you that God is hearing you and God will respond. Now, I don't understand that. But it's true because God says it. And So that means if it's happening, then and it is still happening today that there are battles around nations that's happening. And I think we see it. We just don't get it because how can the Holocaust happen? How can the Rwanda genocide happen? How can South Africa happen? How can time after time after time corrupt people get into power and they are used for evil, even to the point of eradicating an entire people group or an entire nation for their benefit? Satan seeks to corrupt people and entire nations. Satan's strategy is to still kill and destroy you, your family, your church, and your society. But here's the truth Satan is already defeated. He will not win, even though he's working hard as a wounded animal to still kill and destroy us. So, here's real briefly, I want to show you his strategy. If you look back, At Genesis chapter 3. There's a story of Adam and Eve. Everything's going great for the first two chapters. And then the serpent devil shows up. And what's he say to them? He says, hey, you got this whole garden here and it looks pretty cool. But how come you can't eat of that tree? That's the foundation of all of our struggles. His strategy is to deceive us to question the goodness of God. What he should have been saying... he wasn't there to deceive, wow, look at all of what God has given you. The bounty of all of this garden. Every single piece of fruit out here is from God's bounty. I'm not a gardener. You can tell. But he shows up as a deceiver and says, wow, God won't let you eat from that tree. Like, why why is God that selfish that he wouldn't let you eat from that tree? that's how God still operates with us. Satan operates with us. He shows up. We have all these good things, including the very best thing, which is salvation in Christ. There's no better gift than that. But he shows up and he says, hey, look at the Smiths and the Joneses. Look Look at that family. Look at that person. Look what all they have. How come you don't? And so in that comparison contrast trap, we begin to question the goodness of God. And then the questioning of the goodness of God, and then it leads us down the path. Here's what it says in Philippians 4. This is the way to fight that mindset of questioning the goodness of God. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Don't worry about anything. How many of you came in here worried about something? All of you. Some of you are worried about the fight you're about to have or where you're going to go to dinner or where you're going to go to lunch, right? Some of you are worried about tonight. Some of you are worried about tomorrow. You you have all these things that you're worried about, and God's Word says don't worry about anything. Why? Because you're not God. You don't even have the power and authority to change most of the things that you're worried about. And most of the things that we worry about is because we're questioning the goodness of God. How come I don't have X? And Paul says, instead of worrying about anything, why don't you pray about everything? Why don't you let the one that can do something about it, why don't you let him know and hand it over to him? As, as First Peter tells us, Second Peter tells us, hey, cast all of your cares upon him. Cast all of your burdens on him who can do something about it. Why do we tell him? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Amen. And in the midst of that, verse 7 says, you will then experience God's peace. Shalom. A peace that overwhelms your mind, that overwhelms your heart, that overwhelms your entire being. Peace will guard your hearts, which exceeds anything you can humanly understand. In other words, when people look at you like, how are you peaceful? Because God's got it and I don't have to be. I don't have to worry about anything because he's got it. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about these things that are worthy of praise. In other words, instead of worrying about what the Joneses have and the Smiths have or what you don't have and all of what you think, the goodness, and begin to think about the goodness of God and fix your thoughts on that and Him. Because Satan uses that against us, and he has this thing of the things that we naturally desire... We want more of, so we're tempted by wanting more, and then he begins to deceive us, and when he moves to deception, he uses these things called fishing lures. Any of of y'all are fishermen, or good fishermen? All right, so good fishermen, what do they do? I'm, I'm someone who throws out, and just like, I'm there for a long time, and nothing ever happens, but good fishermen, I understand that they study fish. And if they study certain types of fish and they know what the temperature is outside, what the temperature of the water, they know that certain types of fish can be this type of depth of water, at this type of temperature, and there's this type of a climate and there's this type of environment. And if you have this, then you need this kind of a lure and it needs to be shiny. And it needs to be, you know, all these different things going on. Why? Because they want to catch fish. Satan is a professional fisherman. And he just doesn't throw out a hook randomly. He throws out a hook with the right lure exactly for you at exactly the right time so that when you come by, it's shining. Right. And you're questioning the goodness of God. Yes. And the desires of your heart are for something more, for something different, because God's not doing what you think he needs to do for you in that moment. And you see it at just the right time, and you bite it. And then the moment that you bite, what's he do? And then you're like, dag, dab it. Again, and Satan's like, look, you're easy. I know you. I know you. I know your weaknesses. I know exactly the temperature. I know what's going on. I've been doing it for hundreds of thousands of years. I know you. But you don't know me well enough to know that that was a counterfeit. You couldn't tell that that was a lure that I threw. And not something that God the Father threw threw to enable you, to feed you, to grow you. He deceives us. Why? So that we'll be disobedient. Disobedience is not um, the opposite of faith. Disobedience is the opposite of faith. It's not doubt. And when we get into disobedience and deceit and disobedience, then it leads us to death. And death is... Spiritually thinking, death is that moment whenever we die physically, but also we die spiritually. And if you're in Christ, he wants to convince us that our relationship with God is broken to the point that it's irreparable and it feels like death. And so he wants to deceive us to the point of, well, we feel guilty enough and he's accused us enough and we're struggling enough that we're at the dining table of God and we push away from the dining table of God and not enjoy the bounty that he has for us. That's his goal. His goal for us is that the desires of our heart go a little astray. We get deceived and we become disobedient. And disobedience leads to death that we push away from the table. And we go eat from the scraps. Because we believe the counterfeit that we're not good enough to sit at the table of God. And so we eat of the scraps of God instead of the bounty of his table. And then he's won. And then he's won. So my prayer for you today. Is that you study the character and work of Satan enough that you know the truth. So when the counterfeit appears, you know the truth so well that you'll quickly catch the counterfeit, even if it appears for a moment like light and for the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father God, we proclaim with you that Satan is our enemy and he is defeated. He has already lost, and we are already victorious in you. Father, we pray that we would know your truth and know you so well that we would see the counterfeit quickly. And with the the lures of deception that Satan throws in the water before us, that we are not distracted or deceived by them, but we swim right by them. Father, we know that your desire for us is to sit at your table and to dine with you. And to be in the table of God in the presence of our enemies. and And to dine in the presence of our enemies and to feel safe and secure in your presence. And to not feel and to not believe the untruth that we're not worthy to dine at your table. As your children, you have called us by name and you have sat us at a table at your table with our name plates for all eternity. Every time the dinner bell rings, we can run to our spot at the table and enjoy fellowship and food with you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue our time together, we're about to sing a song. and As we stand for that, don't be... Forgetful of the fact that there are places around here that you can continue that to respond to God's word. There's a cross in the back. You can write some notes and put that on the cross. There's candles back here. You can light and think about prayer and different ways that God's speaking to you and then also communion to be reminded that we're victorious in Christ and that we're victorious in Christ because of the death, burial, and resurrection of what happened on the cross, the victory that was won in the cross. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.